0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this podcast of The Elephant, Allianz Frances and Ifra Nairobi. This is the Pan-African Forums, and it is such a delight to be with you another evening where we can sit back and chat about Pan-Africanism. It is, um, for those of you who've joined us before, you know that this is an online uh, set of conversations amplifying African perspectives on a range of social, economic and political issues and and here from African intellectuals. It is such a pleasure to be with you. My name is Mishai uh, Mongola, and I want to really thank our hosts again. This is The Elephant, Ifra Nairobi and Allianz Francaise. This is the fifth of a series of conversations that we've been having. And if you haven't caught any of the conversations before or you'd like to go back and listen to them again, you can find them either on the Allianz Francaise YouTube channel under the playlist Pan-African Forums or at The Elephant, where they also, if you search for the Pan-African Forums, you will find them. In the first part of the series, the first four forums, we began our journey into defining Pan-Africanism, and we've been reflecting on the history, the experiences, the realities and struggles that have defined Pan-Africanism in different parts of the world and through time. Those conversations have catalyzed others. They've raised a number of questions that people have asked in the chat or even afterwards, and so... Today we wanted to start the second part of the series where we take a deep dive into some of these questions. Today we begin with the question on language, an issue that has come up, I think, in practically every forum that we have had, either in actual conversations, in the chat, or in the chat, or in responses sent to us. And honestly and sincerely, I am so honored to hold the space for a conversation between two of perhaps our best known African intellectuals who have invested their lives in thinking about some of these questions. So just um, some housekeeping, I will um, introduce the panel and get you give you a chance to know a little bit of the work that they have been doing and that they continue to do. And then we'll allow the panelists um, to um, talk to us, you know, give us, first of all, they'll speak to us for about 10, 15 minutes each and just share some of their thoughts coming from the work that they have done. Um, after that, you know, we'll, we'll come back and we'll just have, we'll open it up and have a plenary session where we can ask some questions. Let me encourage you, if you're joining us in the Zoom webinar room, to put your questions. On the Q&A so that it's easy for us to identify the questions and so that we can put them to the panelists but please feel free to do what you've already began doing which is to speak on the chat it would be such a pleasure to know who's here perhaps um, just comments as they're going on along let us think together as we talk together if you are on youtube don't worry, we will, be, um, we will be also harvesting your comments and bringing them into the webinar. So also p- please feel free um, as, as you're watching the live stream to also be part of that conversation. I will privilege questions as much as possible, but if there are any comments and you know, as we go along, I'll also put that. So let me go straight to introducing the panel at this point, and I'm going to begin with um, Professor Wangoi Wagoro. Um, She is a professor of practice at um, SOAS in translation studies. She's also a visiting professor at King's College London and the University of South Africa. Um, She has had, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna try and say everything that you've done because we would be here for now the rest of the probably the rest of the of the at least first part of this conversation. but she's edited several books, she works as an editor. she is an author in her own right, um, both of nonfiction and, and and fiction, and she is also a translator. Um, I think, actually, there's one thing that many people know you for is um, that you are very invested not only in translating, but in creating and holding the space of translation work. You're the founder of Sidency, whose mission is to promote, inspire, and develop awareness on the importance of traducteur for the intercultural dialogue and exchange. and Anybody who's been to the African Literature Association and has gone into the Translation Caucus will know that you have been holding the space for that conversation to be ongoing for many, many years. Um, I want to invite you in by first of all say, happy Mother Language Week to you. Um, I, I, I was very excited to be the person telling everybody Happy Mother Language um, Day on the actual day when it came and I, I should acknowledge that I only knew that and I only became invested um, in that because you have been so generous in sharing your knowledge. So, Karibu, Karibu, Sana thank, thank you.
1: Um, thank you, first of all, for having me here for all the organisations and I'm really, really honoured to be here with Professor Subeshia. Um, He's a hero of mine, so I'm shaking, and I told everybody my teeth were chattering, but I'm going to be very brave because this is very important for me. Um, But yes, that's a great question. Sidency was formed because I felt that I needed a vehicle through which to talk about translation and the work that I do to people who are not translators. The translators, we talk amongst ourselves all the time, have long conversations, but I wanted particularly to speak to African people about this window that we have of our languages, which are living, but we are the last generation, I believe, in the like a 40 year gap where we are bilingual, multilingual in many cases. And the people who were monolingual have died off. Most of our parents, my mother, for example, is 90, and she's multilingual. So the monolinguals have virtually disappeared off the face of the earth. And we multilinguals are the ones who can harness these languages and rescue them. Because if we don't, in our time, we're going to lose them forever. And all our languages are endangered in this Mm. 40 year period that we have, and it's shrinking every day. So that's why I started having the conversations and I've them all over the world. And they're the best part of my life. But we can talk about that another time.
0: And, and one of the things that you do, which I've, I've always found so fascinating, because when, when we started the conversations, I remember one of the very first texts that somebody sent me was, I hope you're not just going to have academics talking theory. I hope you're going to have people who are doing what they do, even as they're talking about it. So when you when we say you're a professor of practice, I know you. You do research. You teach. I've, I've, I've met with you. In fact, I first met you in the space of the academia. But you also spend a lot of your work, your time, working outside academia with people in policy, um, with writers, with all sorts of people who are using language. Um, so when we say you're a professor of practice, is that what that is pointing to? You
1: know, it was an honorary title that I was given and I accepted this happily. I didn't ask too many questions because I'm a theorist in um, translation studies, but it's a real honor for us as translators, who practice translation, to be given such a title and for people to recognize that translation is intellectual and scholarly work, which requires a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. I I was very delighted with the title, Um, but also I do work, as you said, in policy and I think as Africans all of us do all these other things which we have to do alongside our scholarship it's not enough to do theory and abstract you know wonderful things that we love but we have to take it out to our communities both intellectual communities and our everyday communities and I'm very invested in that and because languages are alive and everybody understands what language does it's very easy to talk about translation because it's everywhere. It's in art, it's in music, it's in literature, so it's very easy to engage with people. So I have cross-disciplinary conversations with artists, with musicians, with, you know, uh, archaeologists, whoever wants to talk about translation, I'm going to engage them. So that's what we've yeah. been doing with sedency and it's been going for many years and I'm yeah. very old now, so <laughs> I want to you know, hand it over to the next generation.
0: Well, may you be there for many more years to do that work, but we'll come back and talk about the importance of translation, especially when we talk about Pan-Africanism. But before we do that, it is also my pleasure to welcome my teacher um, and a mentor too. Another mentor, I'm really, really blessed in this particular panel. Um, this is um, the philosopher. Um, uh, most, as, as he's, I think most people would say, oh, the philosopher, Suleiman Bashir Dian, who is a professor of philosophy and French. He is currently chair of the Department of French and Romance Philology at Columbia University with joint appointment in the Department of Philosophy. Um, he is, Professor Bashir is also director of the Institute of African uh, Studies um, at Columbia University. I would be remiss if I didn't say that he also works with I I I don't know somebody who works and teaches and does research with so many institutions at the same time so I cannot talk about Colombia without saying that um, University of Sheikh Anta Diok in Dakar, Senegal would also own him with all their heart and soul. He works with a number of institutions as a member of Codestria's executive committee. I would be in trouble if I didn't say that he was president of our scientific committee and continues to be a mentor and um, an inspiration to very many people working in our community. Um, Professor Bashir, um, welcome. I will also note, and I can't go into your very illustrious um, CV of all the things that you've done. You do work in three academies um, simultaneously. Um, I think it's fair to say that you have, I don't know, one foot in Senegal, one foot in the US, and uh, one arm in France, and one arm all over the rest of the world. And it's just a joy to see how you manage all that and do it through being able to work with language. Welcome. Thank you so much,
2: Asante and Karibu, and I want to say how happy I am to to, to be here, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Something you did not say, I may have been your professor, and I'm very proud to have been, or your mentor, as you kindly said. but uh, you are also my boss now, because you are one of the bosses of of Kodesria, so, uh, uh, out of uh, obedience in the first place, and then of affection, when you asked me to be part of this panel, I just saluted and say I will execute. So it's uh, a great pleasure for me to be to be here, and I want to thank the Institut Français for having me. Institut Français and Alliance Française at home for me, uh, and. Uh, And it is just a blessing for me to be really on this panel. One huge reason for me to be on this panel also is this opportunity to to, to share it with uh, with Wangui. Uh, uh, She she just spoke before me because I would have said exactly the same thing and claim her as one of my hero. I am uh, very much interested in translation. I consider myself a philosopher of translation. So I'm very, very attentive obviously to the, the wonderful scholarship of Mangi in that, in that shield. And I look forward to what she will be saying about translation in our, in our conversation. I am sure we will, we will share something. I, I am a believer in something that Ngugi Wachongo said, which mm. is that the language of all languages is translation. And basically this is going to be the main point I want to develop in our, in our uh, uh, conversation here about the, the linguistic policy, let's say, of, of Pan-Africanism.
0: Uh, okay, and so what I, I am ready to just plunge in and hear what both of you um, have to say. Before I do that, I'm just curious. Um, the other day we were talking about how so many um, people who work across the continent, many of us as Wangoi said we are multilingual, we do not just speak one language. Um, but for many people, we still find ourselves primarily working in one or two languages, you know, and a lot of them, you know, it could be English and French, it, you know, basically the working languages of the African Union, we're working in English, French, Portuguese, uh, maybe Swahili, Arabic, you know, there are several, but many of us um, find it at most, we're working with two languages out of sheer curiosity. How many languages, well, going? do you work in? And which ones are these?
1: I've stopped counting now, but i Swahili a little bit. My, my friend and Mwalimu is here, Abdilatib, so I must acknowledge him for teaching me Kiswahili because I didn't speak Kiswahili until I was an adult, shame on me. I speak French, which I learned at school and for my degree and Italian. And of course I speak my mother tongue, Kikuyu. So those are my main languages that I would lay claim to, but I understand many others.
0: Okay, and, and you have had occasion to do professional work in all of these, working with, in different contexts.
1: Yes, indeed, I'm very fortunate, I have. Okay,
0: and um, Malimou Bashir, how many languages do you work in?
2: Okay, I, I work in uh, French, obviously, and uh, English, obviously, as well, and Wolof, which is my uh, mother tongue, or let's say my first language. Although French is quite first also in my, in, my, in my languages. And then I work with, uh, uh, in, in, with Latin and Greek, and also uh, liturgical Arabic, the Arabic of the Quran and the Arabic of uh, uh, the tradition,
0: philosophical tradition. I am sure my, everybody else who's joining this, whether on Zoom or watching it on YouTube, will agree with me. We couldn't have a better panel to, to take us to begin to catalyze our thoughts and crystallize our thoughts on Pan-Africanism and language. Some of the questions, I'm just going to throw this out to you and then I'm going to perhaps come to you um, Suleiman Bashir Diane, and ask you if you could just speak from your heart for 10-15 minutes on what you think, and then do the same with going. Some of the questions that have come up in some of the um, conversations we've been having is the place of indigenous African languages in conceptualizing, engaging, and influencing Pan-Africanism. The need for embracing indigenous African languages such as Kiswahili, Wolof, Hausa, um, Zulu. Um, any language that can come up to your mind as the lingua franca for Pan-Africanism because it seems when we talk about Pan-Africanism we seem to use English, French, Portuguese, you know, those those um, languages that come from outside that are associated from coming to us from outside. Um, the way language functions to divide Pan-Africanism, uh, Pan-Africanism into phone zones. So sometimes it seems that we're only talking to people who speak one of those languages and we're not having conversations with those other Pan-Africanists who may be doing the same work, but doing it in a different language. And then even this question of when we say Pan-Africanism in all the different languages that we say it, are we actually talking about the same thing? Are we conceptualizing it differently? Are we even able Um, to translate and really to say that when I say it in English or I say it in Kiswahili, the person who's hearing it in Arabic or who's hearing it in Portuguese is actually hearing and entering into the same conversation. And anywhere you want to take us, of course, translation, both of you have brought up translation, how translation enables us to be able to engage this question of Pan-Africanism. And so I'll ask you, just go ahead. And if you do want to also start by telling me, what does Pan-Africanism mean to you when you, when you, um, even before we talk about language, I would be really grateful. Karibu sana, bienvenue, welcome.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you so much Shai, for these questions. And you are absolutely right, uh, insisting that in the first place, we want to make sure that uh, the denotation of the notion of Pan-Africanism is, is clear for all of us because Pan-Africanism itself has undergone many uh, uh, transformation. It is uh, good to uh, remind us all in the first place that the, the very word, the name of our beloved continent, Africa, is actually indigenous to Africa because people would say, well, Africa was the way in which the, the Romans called the continent. And, and uh, then the Arabs after the contest, conquest started talking about Ifrikiya it is a good thing because people do not always know it to remember that the name Africa comes from a a location a a place near uh, the the city of Carthage and it was the name of a Berber tribe of the place of that Berber tribe of a goddess of that Berber tribe and then then it became the name of uh, the northern part of Africa that the Romans conquered And then the the, the, the Arabs, uh, uh, Arabized it as Ifriqiya, but it is always important to remember that the name is truly ours because I have heard uh, a few young people say, well, even the name Africa was not really the name we choose for our continent. Yes, indeed we did, we did. So it is important to to, to say that. But then uh, what is Pan-Africanism? It is also good to remember that Pan-Africanism was born outside of the continent. The very project, the idea and the name, the the, the word itself were born out of the continent, which is something that we could have expected. Uh, Africans who had been taken uh, uh, from the continent by slavery uh, had probably once they were there in the so-called new World a more global sense of the continent as a whole, as the, uh, uh, the, the, the homeland, the continent, rather than uh, uh, particular locations, because there was this uh, erasure of uh, uh, any particular memory that they might have, but then the attraction to the continent. And so Pan-African is being born there and then being continentalized uh, after World War II Let's remember the names of Marcus Garvey, obviously, of W.E.B. Du Bois, especially W.E.B. Du Bois, who organized all these Pan-African Congresses in many different uh, uh, European places, Manchester, uh, London, uh, Lisbon at one point, and Manchester 1945 was the last one that was organized outside of the African continent. And he sort of transmitted the torch to Kwame Krumah then. And so Pan-Africanism, went from being a diasporic name to being continentalized and continentalized meant two things first of all it became internal to the african continent and second it became it concerned the totality of the continent because sometimes when we think africa we think sub saharan africa which is a bad thing to 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 consider because we are assuming then that the Sahara was, is a wall separating two words, which is not true at all, which has not been true historically. And it is important that we remember that this was not true. Otherwise we cannot understand the intellectual history of the continent itself. And for example, for regions such as West Africa or the Swahili world where you are, the connections with the larger Islamic word and the intellectual uh, uh, and spiritual tradition of the Islamic world, so it is important to uh, reconstruct to understand that continentalization meant uh, both internalization of the Pan-African project and also also the idea that Pan- uh, Pan-Africanism it is going from Cairo to Cape Town and and to unify the continent in its totality. That did not mean cutting the Uh, the the, the connections and the ties with the diaspora, because as you know, the African Union has acknowledged uh, that uh, the diaspora is the sixth region of Africa, which is a way of recognizing, acknowledging the history of Pan-Africanism. So once we have said this, uh, what kind of uh, linguistic policy should we be uh, thinking about in terms of this uh, open-ended project, continuing project of building uh, 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 the African continent or the United States of Africa. First of all, pluralism, that is the main concept I would like to emphasize here. Pluralism meaning what? Meaning, as you said, and Wang and Wangi reminded uh, us of, of that also, that all African languages should be, uh, again, I would say, languages of science and creation. That is the best way for these languages to flourish and to be maintained. We need to, there are languages that are disappearing, unfortunately, and every language that disappears is a face of the human adventure and the human experience that disappears. We cannot let languages uh, die. And the way in which we are going to have them all flourish is by using them as languages of science and creation, and this is our responsibility uh, uh, um, uh, today. So that's one uh, uh, important point. Pluralism means also that we do not, we should not be having uh, uh, this idea that union necessarily means homogeneity or sharing one single lingua franca. Again, again, uh, 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 union doesn't necessitate, doesn't call, for uh, uh, um, actually adopting one language, let's take an example: Arabization. The failures of Arabization in the northern part of Africa. Well, I call it failure because it was not just directed against France, to uh, French, to say that you are going to Arabize your system of education, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was also something that happened against the local Berber languages, which mm-hmm. are now claiming, and rightly so. Uh, uh, their their place and their right to become also to be also language of science and creation. And that means what we learn from that is that we need in within the different nations and at the continental level to believe in pluralism and not in uh, homogenization, which doesn't work. Uh, and I would like to, to propose this theme, and I, I, I am looking at my uh, sister Wangui uh, uh, saying that the curse of Babel is not a curse. Uh, you, you remember the, 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 the myth of Babel, God punishing human beings for their arrogance by just uh, uh, destroying the tower and then confusing their languages so that they will not understand each other anymore. Well, it is not a curse if we know understand that after Babel we have translation and translation is what allows pluralism so uh, uh, if I want to be. uh, uh, Very practical and pragmatic to end uh, this uh, uh, quick presentation. I would like to remember us, and this might be a point of discussion that uh, every single language that became historically African language belongs to Africa. And here I am quoting the Algerian writer Kateb Biasin, who famously said that for him, French is a spoil of war. And I would also like to quote my good sister, Elizabeth uh, Boyi, who said that in Africa, we have uh, languages of Africa and we have African languages. If we want to have uh, that distinction between languages that are indigenous to the continent, Wolof, uh, Swahili, um, uh, Kinyarwanda, et Rwanda, etc., Zulu, and languages of Africa, which are French, Portuguese, or English. So having a pluralistic policy of languages is to understand that all these languages are ours. We have produced literature in all these languages, we have produced uh, uh, beautiful uh, 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 creations in all those languages and nothing can make them more ours than having invested their languages, those languages appropriated them and produced great creations in those languages. So uh, 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 to, to, to translate what I'm saying into something very practical, I think that we need still to have for the institution for our Pan-African institutions, a few lingua franca that would be the languages of Pan-Africanism. Among the lingua franca that we have, French would be one, English would be one, Portuguese would be one, Swahili would be one, Arabic would be one. And then I think we need to add from West Africa to lingua franca. And I call lingua franca these international languages that are. it is not just the, the, the number of people who speak them, but the fact that they are really international, you can see them in, you can uh, hear them in many different African countries. So from West Africa, West Africa, we should probably have Manding. Mm-hmm which has many different uh, 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 dialects uh, called here Bambara, called there Sarakolle, but it is basically the same language and Fulani. So if we have these seven languages as the languages of our Pan-African uh, uh, project, I th- think it would be a good realistic pragmatic translation of a pluralistic uh, 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 policy of, uh, of languages. So that's what I wanted to, to to put on the table for our discussion. Thank you.